views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters. Good day. This is Ability Radio, and I am one of your hosts. We are joined today by Dr. Delma S. Jackson, who holds a master's degree from Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, and a doctorate from the Department of Social Work at Fayetteville State University. And prior to working as a professor, she was a social worker at the Virgin Islands. And good day, Delma. How are you? This is Archie. Hi, I'm fine. Thank you, Archie. And you? It's been a long time since we worked together. But if you recall, when you were at the Department of Mental Health, you had a station at the Mental Health Clinic. And that's where we first did some professional work together. Yes. Since that time, you've gone higher, just like your iPhone. <laughs> and would you tell us, how did you make that move from social work and mental health to a professorship that even does programs in Africa? <laughs> well, let me see. Um, after I left there, I went to um, Clark, Atlanta. Whitney M. Young School of Social Work for a doctorate in social work and a master's in international affairs. And I was really interested in international affairs and um, started um, paying more attention to what was going on in the world. And one day I walked by a bulletin board and I always tell people don't pass up the bulletin board because they've got important information. And I saw announcements that um, I could apply for an internship with Agency for International Development. And I did, and I stayed in South, got it and stayed in South Africa, traveling all over South Africa for three months. And uh, after that, I applied for one with the um, Boston University. They had funding from the, and um, I was, I applied for the fellowship, went, got the fellowship, went to London, University of London for about three months to study Africa, and then was transferred to Tanzania and um, was part of a group that um, worked in um, villages and paid attention to the social development of what was happening in Tanzania. And um, that kind of got me started with um, my interest in people from other places. Well, I don't know if it's got me started, but it sure continued my interest in people in other places, how they live, how they work, how they earn money, what life is like in big cities and small villages in other countries. Okay. One of the things we have in common, the work that I do with Disability Rights Center and advocacy is bring people together to address a collective problem. And I'm holding your book here, Theater for Development Project. Could you explain to the listening public what the Theater for Development Project engaged in? 
Okay, in Tanzania, I was assigned to the uh, work with the University of Dar, Dar es Salaam. And the project that we worked on, the director at, at that time was uh, Dr. Frederick Mioni. And um, he took us out into villages. And at first we started in a classroom for about a week or two, maybe a little bit more. And he explained, not only did we have language studies, but we, we, knew, we learned about the problems in rural areas in Tanzania and um, that we would be going into rural areas. We learned about the theater for development aspect of what we were gonna be doing because what we would be doing was putting on plays with local people that address the problems in the village or in the community that people talked about, that people felt some way about, but couldn't do anything about. We tried to find solutions. I'm not gonna say we always found solutions, but we certainly put people in touch with what was going on in the community. And, so uh, it was seeking change in their own community? Seeking change in their community, seeking a better way of addressing a problem that had been uh, consistent and a way of handling it. For instance, some of the women would get into arguments. They would get up at four or five o'clock in the morning to go to get water from the water hole. And they would fight about who's online first and who's cheating online, that kind of thing. So we we talked about that and how to how to help them be more patient at, with each other. We talked to um, the women in separate groups because the men and the women didn't mix in groups. And we had one fellow with us and he would meet with the men of that community, that village under one tree. And we would meet with the women on the other side of the meeting area. Uh, we never met with uh, both groups simultaneously. And the women would talk about their issues and the men would talk with the man about their concerns. And what was the outcome of those encounters? Well, I'm not sure that there was, uh, there were any real solutions. I'll give you an example of a problem. The women were the ones who were doing the farming. And when they went to do farming, you know, they had to walk a mile or so and to get to the crops, whatever they were growing, well, the mullet or uh, another one they used to grow. And there was an army base nearby. The uh, men from the army base used to sneak up on the woman and make them have sex with them. And these women could not come back to the village and tell their husbands because the husbands would feel as if the women were doing this voluntarily. It would, it would create more uh, confusion and it wouldn't solve the problem because the women didn't have that kind of support. So that's, that's an example of one of the problems that we had. Another problem. Well, how, how did that come about that they told that to you? Those That came about after I think it's, you know, like this, any um, social worker counseling process 
after we'd built up a relationship with them, because we went into the village every day for a, a long time, a couple of months. After we built up a relationship and they felt secure that they could trust us, that they could talk to us, that they were friends with us, then they began to provide more information about the quality of their lives and the kinds of things they uh, thought about or the events that happened to them that they couldn't share with anybody else. Like I was sitting in a, in a really kind of a hut that hadn't been finished with an older lady once. And um, I asked her, she only spoke Swahili, so I had an interpreter. And I asked her, you know, what does she do? And she said, all I do is take care of my husband. He was sitting outside in front of another house. And I said, well, and I don't know what made me ask her this. I asked her if she ever wanted to do anything else. And she said, I have always wanted a better life. I've always wanted to do other things. But in this culture with my people, I can't do anything other than what I'm doing. And that is to take care of my husband. So how did the Theater for Development Project uh, come into play in this circumstance? Well, after we visited and we made home visits, you know, like social workers make home visits, our team walked through the villages, made home visits, told people what we were doing there, who we were, where we were from, and about the theater. We were trying to put together a theater group, but in order to do that, we needed to know what the issues were. What were they concerned with, you know? Um, were they concerned with the food that they'd ate or they, that, well, could they grow their food? Were they concerned with um, husbands having more than one wife? Were they concerned with lack of um, money, you know, or quality of their farm products, things like that? And as, as we began to learn more about them, we put together from what Dr. Joni had told us about um, theater, we took time to put together a play, to write out a play with different individuals at, in the play and that the play would express what we, what we heard, what we talked to them about without being specific, the issues. For instance, um, we had local people, the people we talked to who agreed to be in a play. And they complained about a man who had a store who would allow the wealthier people in the community to come to the back door of the store when he got fresh uh, bundles of rice and buy the rice at a higher price. And then when he got to uh, a lower price, when he sold all of that, he would sell it to the regular people who were at the front door, but he would run out. So the regular people never got their supply of rice. So that was an issue. Um, we couldn't play the part where the women were being raped because that would, um, they really did, that was told in confidence. They really didn't want their husbands to know about that. 
And did you see any change in behavior because of the um, play? We weren't long enough, weren't there long enough to see a couple of months, I think, were not enough to see changes in behavior. What we did realize is that people really valued the opportunity to get it off their chest, to have somebody to talk to, to know that it would be a secret, to see some of the issues raised in the theater production and to, um, to really see that people cared about them. For instance, what we had a, one production by the children and we had no idea what they were gonna do. And the children in the community put on a play. This is for the community. The community was, you know, it circled around the children in that part of the village. And the children put on a play about how their fathers beat their mothers. And we had not talked about any of that with the children. It was very, very concerning. And it was very telling that they were observant and they cared and they could definitely not talk to their parents about it. So they put on the play and everybody understood what was happening. Any repercussions from that or any feedback? Not really. We had um, repercussions from one play by the manager of the village. The manager seemed to be the person who had the most money, the better house, the house with furniture in it, the house with a TV. And he was a little annoyed and um, threatened some of the people and said, you know, after these people leave, leave here, you still have to deal with me. So they knew that another occasion was there was a, a man that everybody was afraid of. Some NGO had built a, um, had dug a well for the community. But this man, because he was, um, I can't, I'm trying to think what, they, what the word is for it. I think it might be Sangoma. I can't remember whether Sangoma is the South African word or the Tanzania word, but it was a spiritual person, like an old bear man. And when they dug the well and everybody could get free water, he made everybody pay him for water. And he was, they were afraid of him because they thought he had exceptional powers. So they paid for water when they were able to do that if they had any money. And do you see this method or methodology um, being used cross-cultural way well i think i think theater in a cross-cultural way is very important um now i'm not you know when i think of theater i think of broadway or um, telling somebody's life story or something like that but there's to me it's very possible for theater to be used to teach children or to help them understand certain issues that will be that you know things that are happening in the community that may be good for the community or may be bad for the community high school students put on plays all the time 
and they might want to address some of the issues through their performances. And certainly community theater might address some of the issues through their performances. And if it's on television, like public television, the whole community could see what the issues are. You know, we tend to use um, panels and discussions, uh, groups, things like that. But many times people would rather not be defensive, you know? And if you could do the same kind of teaching about issues in a way that is really non-threatening, it might be received better and there may be more action. It's just a thought. One of the things that you spoke about was separation of the men from the women and these groups. Um, having been a black male all my life, I know <laughs> most of the time men do not want to let out not information regarding their feelings, regarding certain situations. Did you find that that separation and did the men participate in any of the plays um, in Tanzania? The men, the separation was, that's just the way they do it, you know, at, um, in the villages. But um, the younger men participated. Um, we did not have um, the older men participate. I mean, they could have if they wanted to, but the young guys say in their twenties participated. Uh, one of the skits was interesting in telling about how they were, um, mourning the death of one of the village um, men. And uh, he was a young man and another man was uh, crying and mourning over his body. And at the same time, he was putting his hand in the man's pocket to see if he had died and left any change that he could take from his pocket. So that could be very telling about how people see death and how people see inheritance or what's left over after somebody dies and um, how they, um, you know, how, a funny way of handling it, but it also told a story. Um, also, what we were going to, we were visiting a lady who had her, her husband died, her husband died. And we were told that we could not attend the funeral they don't, they're very, the women did not attend funerals. The men were bringing out the casket. The women were in the house sitting on the, the ground and um, they had to stay there for three days uh, in, in the house. And uh, the men explained to us that we as women could not go to the funeral, but we could go in and pay our respects to the women who were mourning the death of this man. And was there a difference in uh, religious beliefs in that village? Yeah, as a matter of fact, the um, family that I got to know the best, well, two families, one was a Muslim and they lived on one side of the road and most of the Muslims lived over there. Um, Bukhari had two wives, very nice um, ladies. and. Um, he had two houses for, for them, small um, concrete houses that he built. 
them. On the other side, uh, Mr. Songanzila was Protestant and he had a job at the university in the agricultural department. He um, retired while I was there and worked on contract with the school. His wife had a shop, you know, and he told me, he said that if the Muslim man lived on the other side of the street, he, his children would be able to get a better education. So the stratification was there. I'm not sure that I understood the depth of it all, but the bottom line is that they were cordial. There were no fighting, but they clearly understand that the Muslims lived on one side and that the uh, Protestant or non-Muslim lived on the other side of the street and had a better quality of life and not just um, farmers. Well, how about the the youngsters? I know I have a granddaughter, and they have these hand puppets. I guess to show the feelings uh, that they're using in their kindergarten or first grade. Is there? I imagine that they that that somebody might do that, but we didn't use any hand puppets. We were too busy. We didn't do a lot with children. Period. We were. Um, too busy trying to address some of the issues that were going on among the adults. And was there a, a final product? I thought you had mentioned that perhaps it was some movie or video made of these attempts. Oh, the video was made at the, at the university. It was um, not, not around that issue. The video because the, the university teaches you how to make video, teaches you theater for development, how to use the cameras, how to use uh, local people in your videos around different issues. And when I was there, one of the issues that we made videos of, one of the, was the um, girls were taught how to have sex with their husbands before they got married and they were taught that by their aunts. And we made a, what do you call it? A play about this teaching. And um, they videoed the play. And the next year when I got back, the la lady stopped me on campus and she said, oh, I know you. And I said, oh, how do you know me? And she said, well, they're still showing the video of your, um, of the play that you were in on campus, but it was a teaching play and it was about how to keep your husband satisfied if you're going to marry him and the role, who teaches you that as opposed to just learning it out in the street. There was a designated person to teach you that. And most of it was around sex. It wasn't around food, your ability to cook or clean house. Well, in your book, you also give sort of a planned um, of the project, starting with familiarization, data collection, data analysis, oh, yes. theater creation. See that all of that happened. The data collection is us walking through the village and talking, stopping at people's homes and talking to them about who we are and um, why we're there um, to put on a play that we were from part of the University of Dar es Salaam and um, 
what we were doing was finding out about life in the village. What are the things you like about living here? What are the things that, what are the problems? So that was our data collection. The familiarization part was just beginning to get familiar with where the village is, um, where the people are from, what are the issues in the village? Um, you know, how are people being uh, helped or do they need help? There was one lady, we asked her, she didn't have any family there. And so we talked to her about what would be the best thing for her, how is her life? And she said, if I had enough money, I would uh, go back to where my home people are her husband had died so that they could help take care of me. Well, before we left, we were able to get enough money to send her back to another part of Tanzania. And uh, she was very happy. The data collection was um, going around talking to people and then sitting down and saying and analyzing, well, what are the real problems in this area? You know, what do people have enough food? What are they complaining about? Uh, women constantly getting beaten. Um, what what are the issues? So that that was um, what we were doing when we were trying to analyze what is re what are really the issues are. And um, around those issues, we created a play and got people to participate. Local people who were not actors, who hadn't been in plays. Well, some of them had been in plays because that's a modality that they use a lot to train and teach. They even use it with the um, organizations that come into the community. You know, you have big organizations like IBM and others, Holiday Inn, and those people are coming from other places and they have to learn a little bit about the culture and the community. And they had ways of working with these organizations to teach them about culture, community, um, and life in Tanzania that used theater also. And do you see any of the aspects of what you experienced being brought back to the United States as a model? I like the um, students. Um, developing their plays and uh, performing them. I think that, um, you know, sometimes the young people have a different way of interpreting what they see and how they experience life at their needs and uh, what's happening in the community. I think that would be very interesting to have that kind, have them develop those kinds of um, theater opportunities in uh, schools and the community, things like that. That's it for today and see you next time. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of WTJX, its board, staff, or underwriters.